you're gonna need a bigger budget. Or not! Because sounds like movie budgets may be taking a step back in the future, and we're gonna talk about it. So welcome everybody to TRB, that's right, it's the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John, thank you so much for joining us on this Monday. We're in the middle of August, we are, James, we are nine days away from Ahsoka, which is pretty wild. Uh... It's just, yeah, absolutely wild to think about. Um, and just for anyone who may, for whatever reason, if you decided to not check out our last episode, first of all, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> kidding. But second of all, we did make an announcement that we are going to cover Ahsoka. Um, but please do check out our, you know, I made a long statement on that episode that really paints where we stand. We obviously fully stand with the artists, crew members, creators, and everybody involved on the union side of things as they, you know, aim to um, level the playing field and, and, and right some wrongs and, and get beyond antiquated contracts as things are evolving and escalating in this streaming world with residuals and AI. And it's a lot of, a lot at stake for the future of art. And, uh, but go check out our statement on that and we'll continue to, uh, to remind people where we stand on that stuff. But James, nine days away from that show, Ahsoka, um, and we have a lot to talk about here where we are going to talk a bit about, you know, movie budgets, because that's, you know, also coming off the heels of what Bob Iger said uh, about the future of um, movie productions for Disney and stuff like that. But more importantly than that, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Um, we, you know, it's funny, we, we, uh, <laughs> I, I was editing last week's episode and we had this big soccer talk at the beginning of it. And I was like, we're still in leagues cup. And then we lost like, so before the episode came out, we had already lost. So on the episode, I'm like, here's hoping <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah. it was one of those things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, other than that, we have, um, we did at my work, we did the, our big, like uh, speaker design competition thing where we have people come from, you know, mostly all over the country, but in a lot of cases, or in some cases, all Why, over the you world. Get to vote? I don't, I don't do that. What I do is I, I meet with the contestants and, and, um, try to convince them really to like, uh, sit down on video and talk about their projects and stuff and, uh, kind of get, try to get a little bit into the weeds with some of what they're creating, what they're bringing to the table, why they brought this particular piece. But it is, um, quite phenomenal when you look at what they do, because, these guys are engineers and artists because, I mean, you just picture like, you know, you're a home theater, like two stereo, whatever, but it's like woodworking, like crazy. And like they put so much into like how these things sound so perfect. They're like the exact uh, definition of the word audiophile. I mean, these guys um, and you see the same ones every year. And um, I don't know, it's pretty it's pretty wild. But we had like uh, like sixty entries this year in four different categories over two days, and they bring their speakers in. They get it judged by these these guys who, um, you know, we we joke around sometimes. People, have you ever heard the phrase? Um, <clears throat> he wrote the book on. Of course, one of these guys literally wrote the book. Like it's the handbook for how to build speakers, and he did it like years and years and years ago. But it's like on its eighth edition or whatever. Is his name Joseph? Like, speaker is it one of those things <laughs> basically no <laughs> no it isn't but um anybody who knows like about that stuff knows that guy because if you're gonna get into it there's no way to not come across mm. his name because he's the guy you know 
Um, but yeah, we, we, we had, uh, three great judges and they listen to everybody's project. They do, they play these like test songs and stuff and then they grade everybody. And then parts express my company gives them, um, the winner's awards and stuff. But anyway, that we do that once a year. Um, except for the COVID years, there was two years we didn't get to do it, but we did it in 22 and 23 now again. So yeah, very cool. Did you know that the sandwich was named after its creator Earl sandwich? I did know that, but I've never looked into it to find out how true or whatever that that piece of lore is. I know. Yeah. I saw it on the internet, but I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is real. Everything on the internet is real. Yeah. Um, before we get into the show, uh, I just want to they fact check that stuff. You know? Yeah. I just want to thank everybody, first of all, for obviously listening and, and watching and being a part of uh, what we're doing here at TRB. It means a great deal. Um, we're going to be doing uh, the Ahsoka coverage on TRB live. Uh, so it will be Wednesday nights live. Um, we were originally going to do this big branded show with guests and giveaways, sort of like the Mando fan show, but we felt it's best with what's going on now just to review these things whether, you know, good, bad, you know, indifferent, um, as we normally would. But uh, I do want to thank everybody also who has joined us on Patreon. Uh, It is uh, huge for us uh, as three people with regular lives, regular jobs, uh, to be able to do what we do and put the time in that we do. Because what you watch and hear on TRB is maybe 10% of actually everything that and the time that we put into making this and the patreon support is what allows us to keep that going and to also try to do more as we continue to uh, grow and do other things so if you've been new new to the show or you've been listening for a long time and you're able to uh we just ask that you at least check it out go to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast uh tiers start at five bucks a month and uh if you're able to check it out if you like a tier sign up and uh, there's a lot of exclusive stuff on there. We just did our Q&A uh, live this past Thursday, but it's right there on the page. A lot of interesting stories revealed in some of those questions because people ask us about anything, right, James? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talked about some strange stuff. Some strange stuff. Stranger things, uh, but not stranger things. Um, but yeah, we have, a, we have a Discord server. If, if social media has been letting you down lately, we have an amazing community over there. So just go check it out. Patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. And any bit of support helps us a great deal. So uh, we just want to thank anybody who is. And if you're not able to, totally cool. You're still going to get your TRB episodes free uh, twice a week. So that was that was something that I forgot to mention in that Q&A we were talking about our community is that I know for a fact there are people out there that will toss a Star Wars question or discussion out on social media and just get no likes, no responses. Yeah. But it's practically unheard of if you drop a, a question in our Discord, someone's going to pop oh, in and, yeah. and have that talk with you. Yeah, sometimes uh, it snowballs into some pretty cool conversations. Yeah, so. it's um, a good place. Speaking of conversations, uh, we have some stuff to talk about. Um, we are going to talk about movie budgets and, and what that might mean for the future of, of creative filmmaking. But for now, James... Our first segment of the day. I fear nothing for all this as the Force wills it. All right, guys. It is time for the Force where we pose questions. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Cheered Imway. Great Star Wars character. Yeah. Sorry. Great Star Wars character. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Um... Yeah, we're going to we're going to pose the questions uh, and ask whether those things that we pose will happen or not. 
Of course, some of those questions come from our patrons that uh, that John was just talking about, actually, um, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, we're going to kick off with one uh, uh, here, though, that we want to touch on first, and that is, will you be disappointed if it is revealed that Sabine Wren is force sensitive? So again, this didn't come from one of our patrons, but we wanted to we wanted to ask the questions because we're right on the edge of Ahsoka. Um, I'm going to start with you, John. What do you think? I will, man. Um, I, it, it's, I know they keep creating these Jedi that survived 66. And, you know, when you look at the original trilogy, it really did make you feel like it was, there was none left. And then every time there's a new video game or a new comic or a new book, all of a sudden all these Jedi pop up and stuff in this era, which I already feel is too much. If they now take Sabine and decide she's going to be force sensitive because, you know, she's able to use lightsabers and it's just you have Ezra, you have Ahsoka, like and the Kanan and what Hera's is going to be the only one. Uh, it would it would it would be too much. It'd be, it's Oprah giving out the cars, you know, I, <laughs> I dude, I, I would be disappointed. I, I'll roll with it as I do. Like when Star Wars gives me something. I, I I typically, unless it's something I really just don't like, uh, typically I'll, I'll find my way to it for the most part. I, I'll learn to deal with it, but I, I would be a bit disappointed if they go that way. What do you think? So I, I too feel the same way for everything that you just said, but I'm... I'm kind of wondering a little bit, and maybe you can jump in and correct me if I'm I'm wrong here. How force using is Ahsoka even at this point? Because I can't think of a thing in, say, like Mandalorian oh, that we've seen of her yet. I, I can got think of one. something. Yeah, she reads Grogu's mind. That's true, but I'm. I guess I'm picturing like in the in like a battle sense, where she like mm. moves an object out of the way or something, or does something spectacular to like block a, an attacker something along those lines. Have, have there My, been any clips that, that let lead us to that for the trailers for Ahsoka? I feel like we're going to get something like that. No, that that's what I'm saying is I, I have gotten the impression that from Mandalorian, she has really strayed away from being super force using. <laughs> um, and maybe that's a limitation of live action. Um, she's mostly like her acrobatic, uh, battle like like hand combat style uh is what we've seen out of ahsoka and the interesting thing to me is that when we're getting this whole like she calls her master and stuff and i I don't doubt that ahsoka at some point was training sabine but i don't think she was training her in the force i think at this point there's so much to I, i obviously she's still using the force but but Ahsoka has had this sort of like thing away from the Jedi. So I don't see this being like a, she sort of like found out Sabine was force sensitive. And so she's like, okay, well I'll train you like the Jedi did. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't think that's the case. I think that she at some point said, I'm going to teach you to be a better warrior, similar to what we got out of Kanan when Kanan was teaching Sabine. Um, and uh, he wasn't training her in the force or how to use it. He was telling her, yes, how to use the lightsaber, but that's because that was her weapon. 
Right. Um, so I, I, in the, in the, the vein of, we've seen some of these television shows re go over beats that we've seen in, in the animated stuff that's happened a few times now. And I'm almost mm-hmm. wondering if they're going to make that relationship similar to what we already saw in rebel season three with Kanan and, and Sabine Maybe. clearly not force sensitive. Don't you but- think Filoni chose that way for rebels because you know, they probably knew like three, four seasons. Um, they wanted to have the focus for that be Ezra and not have to split Kanan's like it would I think it would cut into Kanan and Ezra's relationship if Kanan was also treating and training Sabine as a Jedi and that would pull away from Ezra a bit. And it, it would have been too much to do in that show, in that format, 20 minutes every week, you know, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's why. Um, and who knows, maybe like we say, we're going to watch the show. Maybe that's his plan is now to do. No, that. I, I think that I, I think that when, whenever we see this happen, um, cause we've seen it a couple times now that I think what they're doing is they're just saying like, we had something really great, but a lot of people didn't get to see it. Mm-hmm. And if we put it in live action, we can twist it and we can say, Oh, it's poetry it rhymes. But this is a story that we know works and we're going to bring that to live action. And so I could sort of see that being something that they do here. Um, and, and like you said earlier, I just don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't necessarily, I'm okay with it if they go that route, but I, I'm not down with, I feel like Sabine Wren should be force sensitive. And I would yeah. in some, I, I don't want to say I'd be disappointed, man. Cause I'm always on the ride, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I would figure out a way. That, yeah. I would figure you know, out. Like I'd be like. disappointed if Leia was, turns out that she was force sensitive and they have her like moving objects around. It's like, no, it's like when it happens, I'm like, cool. Well, they did a story. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it doesn't seem, it almost seems illogical to do that. But then when you go down that route, I'm like, that's fine. Tell that story. So it is what it is, but I don't think they're going to do that. Um, And I think I've I've given a lot of my evidence. And and people may chime in saying like, well, Leia is different. It's like, yeah, of course, because it was Anakin's kid and Luke's sister. And we got we we saw beats of it in empire when she was sensing luke and it like with sabine i feel like it would be a little more of a blind side or like a switch turning on um sure especially with this show's eight episodes like all of a sudden they're going to introduce this and how are rebels fans going to feel about that you know so yeah yeah um all right well let's move on to one of our patreon submissions this one's coming from one of our generals awesome uh fulcrum 77 diana uh, they asked us, will we get a flashback of Kane and Jarrus in the Ahsoka series? I'll start this one off. I'm going with no. <laughs> um, number one, I think there's that whole aspect of Freddie Prince Jr. saying that he feels like he's done with the character and he feels like everything they use of him past that point diminishes what he offered and what he gave up in rebels. Um, and whether you agree with that or not, I think that there's no reason to bring this character into the show at the time, at this time. Um, I, number one, I know you don't have to have Freddie voice or portray him, but I think that, uh, if you, like you just said, there's only eight episodes. I don't see what the point of trying to tell 
what Canaan is. Um, you, it's very easy to say Ezra had a master before because we've gotten that in Star or Wars. Hera could just great. talk about him. That's all. Yeah. Or Hera um, has a son. Well, who's the dad? It doesn't matter. Like it, the, there's this, these people here, you know, um, we don't need to know that stuff. And in a lot of cases, I think that those types of things help Star Wars when they just talk about that thing and then don't ever like show you. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like all of those things combine are reasons why this character doesn't have to show up. I'm sure that if we get the moment where Ezra's like, I'm lost, Kanan, show me the way, and he shows up as a force ghost or something, we'd be like, whoa, nuts, right? Yeah. But okay. I'm just like, like that is a weird... It's not weird, but it's a fantasy that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I just uh, don't think we're going to get that or a flashback or huh. anything like that. This character is only important to Ahsoka and the story they're telling because that happened in the past and they're telling stories about people who knew that character. Yeah. I, no. I think I'm with you. I, I, I don't think we will because I'm thinking about it. And I remember Freddie pretty staunchly saying like, nah, I'm done, man. He's like, right. Filoni convinced me to do the nine thing. Episode nine voice. And I was thinking, even if they did get Freddie, let's say they did it and they got a flashback. Like, I think Freddie Prince Jr., especially now, would just, it would look weird. It would look like Freddie Prince Jr. in a Halloween costume or something. Assuming and, he's even the one who plays him. Right. So I have multiple scenarios. So if that's the scenario, that I think that'd be a little odd. Uh, and I don't think he's lying. So I don't think he's going to do that. So I'm crossing that one off. And the other would be doing a flashback with another actor playing Kanan just for a flashback. And I think that would rub people the wrong way. Because it's one thing to say, we are giving you a new actor who's playing this character, Sabine, Natasha Lou Bordizo. Mm -hmm. We're going full with it. This character is going to have the continued journey, evolution, an arc. That I get. But if you Same with have Hera, the, right? Huh? Same with Hera, right? Right. So, yeah, at, at Ahsoka, like any of them. Yeah, uh, Ezra, I'm assuming at some point. But if you give us a flashback and recast Kanan just for a flashback, I think that's strange. And I think that would be accepted way less than we are taking this character forward. So for just for those reasons alone, I don't think they will do that. Uh, I don't know. Also, also, you know, how how it applies, I don't think he fits at this point, especially Ezra doesn't seem to be even in the picture. If they do something with him and Ezra and it's just a voice or something one day and they get Freddie to do a voice, uh, maybe, but a flashback with Kanan, just, I feel like it would be done just to do it. And I don't know that the audiences that they're trying to get to watch this thing beyond the rebels fans, like would understand that payoff. So I, I just don't think they will. It definitely is interesting. I'd like I'd like to go through some time. Yeah, I'd like to go through some time and figure out what the like carryover is when it comes to so like Katie Sakoff was the voice is playing the character. Uh Lars Mickelson was the voice is playing the character. Steven Bloom 
technically sort of doesn't count, but also does count because they're using him to do the voice. And he Sam. might be doing the motion capture too. He might be doing the motion capture too. We actually don't know. Yeah. Um, but that that being said, I feel like that's a little bit of a, of a carryover. They didn't get somebody else to do it. He's re- recreating the character. Chopper. Uh, <laughs> Chopper as well. But then you've got, you know, the laundry list of characters that we just mentioned who did not carry over. Um, Ezra and being so, the, uh, a big one. I mean, obviously yeah, a big one. Too, but yeah. And then also, if you think about that, if it's a flashback scene, they'd probably also, maybe not, but they might also need to recast Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. Because he'd have to be significantly younger. He's a teenager. Yeah. So it becomes trickier. And and so all that said, I, I think we're both in agreement that uh, I'd be surprised if, if Kanan makes a, a an appearance in the show. Yeah. And thank you for the question, Diana. It is a good question. Yeah. Um, all right. So will Balin's skull, <laughs> weird name. I always want to say scroll because of Marvel right now. <laughs> um, follow the, will that character follow the trope of the redeemed villain in the Ahsoka series? What do you think, John? You go first. Um, this is tough. I'm going to say, I'm just going to say yes. Um, there was one line I saw about he believes what he's doing is good or something like that. And he mentions Anakin and the way I'm seeing this play out is I think the magistrate, um, is going to be turned on by her own, you know, dark forces, whether that's Balin or Shin or even Thrawn, like I said, I have this or feeling the power that, that comes out of the portal. Yeah, I, I think I still think the mystical. I could, whatever I could see her, um, Morgan Elsbeth, I think is the character's yeah. name. I could see her being killed by Thrawn and saying, like, like I was saying re- on a recent episode, I've gotten everything I needed out of you, and now you're done. So if she's out of the picture, I think that Shin character seems like she's fully entrenched. But there's these little pepperings of things with Balin that seem to be that there's not everything fully gone. So, and they like doing that stuff. And when there's a chance, if they have a bunch of villains, there's a bigger chance that they can do it with one of them. I'm just wondering what happens with the Ray Stevenson thing then, because it's almost like with Reva, like at the end, they had that weird switch in the plot where originally the guy who created the character was going to have her get killed. And then they had her redeemed but it was like this weird fast shift from she's going to go kill Luke Skywalker to like, oh, never mind, and I'm going to go leave now. And it was very odd yeah. at the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it would feel the same because it's, you know, he survived 66, he used to be a Jedi, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I, I think they might do it though. I, so, but I don't know. You so could, you could, I'm not 100% on this. I just think that if someone would or could in this series, it's him for sure. So I'm what I would actually love to see more than anything is the the villain not be killed but be put away and like imprisoned that's one option the phantom zone style oh. of imprisonment <laughs> whatever it is like I I think what could be really cool is if they sort of put that villain away the problem is is that the one of the reasons I would like them to do that is so that that character could come back later. 
but they would only have to be able to do that like in animation or something or tell it in a book um, because he can't reprise his role. What I actually think is going to happen is not a redemption, but more like Maul. Maul, basically, he didn't, like Vader, for instance, did something noble and it caused him to die. Maul did something bad and it caused him to die. But laying on the 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 ground, you almost feel like he was sort of redeemed because he had you you could almost have empathy for his character. Oh, given the situation, yeah. yeah. I I think that what we might see here is like if you push that button, you will die. But you but you've said the whole time that you were willing to fight for this thing. And so because I said I was willing to fight for the thing and I know I'm going to die, I'm going to push the button and then he's going to he's going to get killed or whatever. And but like maybe is the that last moment he's like, I knew that was going to happen, but I stand for what I stand for and I'll never let that go. And then he just like fades away or something. You know what I mean? It's like I, like you're not redeemed. You did the wrong thing. But it oh, might regret. be one of those. Regret. Yeah, it's sort of like, why well, do you know if it's regretful? It's just kind of one of those things. Like for me with Maul, I think it, he was sort of like, I'm I'm Hel- the he, bad guy. He was hell bent on revenge on Kenobi. That's- yeah, and, and given in this moment, there was this weird connection that they had where they're like, he said, we, we will be avenged. Like it was you had problems in your life. I had problems in my life and neither one of us deserved it. So they had this like connection there at the end, but I don't think he was redeemed. And I don't think he was like, he did, you know, he did the right thing in the end. They had that moment over Luke. That's what I think is more likely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm talking about. The twin sense thing. Um, and Ezra is there too, yeah, which is crazy to think Ezra was there when like Maul died. He didn't yeah. see it, but he was like there, you know? Yeah. I do yeah. like when that happens. Um, but you, you, have you seen the movie, the rock, right? It's sort of like, you know, what's funny. I, when I said, if I push this button, I saw the look on your face that was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to say this happened in the rock. Well, yeah. Ed I, Harris. I, I mean, I must've seen it and I must know what it is, but like, well, cause yeah. Ed, Ed Harris, like he goes on this, he, he was a war hero and he goes on this thing. Cause he feels like he's been slighted and ignored. And, and then by the end he can't, bring himself to they called his bluff and he can't bring himself to do it and then what ends up happening is you know the 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 missiles go off and stuff and he's like what have i done sort of thing and he regrets it but he doesn't get redeemed he dies for what you know has happened um so yeah it's not a redemption but you see you pity him like you said about maul laying there uh because you're like oh maybe they're you know at one point there was something there and it's, it's now just lost and he doesn't get a chance to see that redemption. It's different from Vader because Vader actually committed an act to save his son. And people say he's redeemed in the eyes of his son, not the galaxy. And I believe that too, but at least he had that redemption moment with his son. Whereas, you know, I, I don't know if the situation I'm talking about with the rock or like this hypothetical we're making up about Balin's skull, maybe that doesn't happen at all. So, but I know. I hope he's not one note, man. I think Filoni's smarter than that with the whole like it's the orange lightsaber and there's all these different things. I think he knows 
what he's doing as far as like explaining like the motivations of this character. And I, I honestly just don't feel like he gets his opportunity to bring Ahsoka to live action and he makes the villains like bad guy, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I just think there's going to be something more oh, they, to it. They definitely leaned into the fact that Throne is definitely the villain. So they're not right. That's right. That one. Yeah. Um, but I am a little nervous at what's going to happen with this character. Cause whatever happens, Ray Stevenson's gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's like it's even it's even worse than like the Obi Wan Reva thing because at least with that they could they could fix it by you know bringing her back or telling more stories or showing what she's been doing. Right. right. But if this ends with him like surviving, uh, that also makes me worried too. Like do, like you never know. I don't think they're doing this. This is not tin ho- tin foil hats. But <laughs> it, it like there is always the chance that like the character was intended to die. Or or go to the prison or something, and they're like, no, man, push them, push them off the cliff." Uh, no, I meant not. Yeah, no, sorry. It was intended that he would stay alive, but they but they had to change the ending and kill off the character, reshoot something, do it oh, digitally. God. I know it's lame, but like, there's always that chance that they're like, hey, "Would they tell us that? Can can we fix this?" They probably would not. No, yeah, they didn't tell us the whole thing about the Obi Wan ending. That's still speculated that there was a change, you know? Yeah. It's well, not set in stone that it was that it did happen. There were it's definitely like, changes in the scripts, whether they filmed that or not, I don't know. But right. if Balin's skull, imagine Balin's skull like the 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 show ends with he kidnaps Sabine or like something big and like they're like Oh, we don't like. What do we do right now? Well, that's the whole Marvel thing right now with um. Well, um, what's his name? Who's playing the the? Who, Kang. Yeah, yeah. they like. The, I I'm not exactly sure how they're going to handle that. They still got Loki season two coming up here, and he seems to be prominent in that. And it's like. I don't oh, yeah. think that's going anywhere, but like, I don't know how they're going to like resolve that because it's not like that character died. <laughs> it's like, that, he's, that's still, he's the I, one. I don't even want to comment on that. Cause that's still all muddled where like he may have been exonerated. I don't know. I don't want to get into that, but you're right. Yeah. That, that, that I don't stuff. think he's made any public appearances or made any statements since the, no. Yeah. Happened. But that doesn't mean anything, you know, it doesn't. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. His representation also dropped him. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying anything The accused, yeah. you know? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, last question here for will the force. It's another Patreon submitted question. One of our patrons, specifically commander, Chris, Chris, where's Lacey's one of our Belgian prop boys. Yeah. Um, Chris has the, asked us the question, will any of the villains die in Ahsoka season one? Uh Oh, do we just discuss it? (laughs) (laughs) If so, who do you think it will be? Um, well, I, I'm going to go right off and say that we both are on the page that Balin's skull probably dies. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going Morgan Elizabeth. I think, I think Thrawn is going to kill her. And what is the name of the princess? the girl shin yeah i think that sounds right amp you think they're all dying <sighs> except thrawn i'm going the 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 i'm going balin and shin but what about that inquisitor Morgan. that former inquisitor oh, that gone done that is Episode a that two that's a sith trooper if i've ever seen it <laughs> August, like, oh yeah, yeah, dude. August twenty third, we'll be going no to substance. live TRB live, and we're gonna be like, remember that Marek, whatever the character's dead. Yeah, 
I'm pretty certain it's even in like the first episode too. Oh yeah, like, that's what I mean. First night, boom. Yep. Um, um, yeah, but I, I, I have a, I have a feeling magistrate. I'm, down. I'm with you on that. That makes sense to me. But I think there's too many villains, and I think one that could carry over make it makes more sense that the magistrate would versus these character, which seems to be tonally just for the show. Oof, whereas magistrate man. seems like it's like, and I bet. A longer played out character. I bet because I've always liked Ray Stevenson. I bet I'm gonna love that character, and it just it's just gonna be it's gonna suck so bad to, watching it, knowing that there's just no more of it. Um, yeah, but but I but again, I don't want that. I don't want a redeemed villain. I I would love to just see him be like bad. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, that would be so cool. I agree. Um. All right. Well, that is it for Will of the Force this week. Uh, John, what are we? What section are we going into next? Oh, let's let's get into a discussion. How about that? All right. Obi Wan once thought as you do. All right, our discussion this week. Bob Iger talked about it. Will smaller movie budgets spark more creative filmmaking? So, as you know, the recently turned recently turned speaking of villains, recently turned <laughs> villain Bob Iger. Um, don't get mad if you're still a Bob Iger fan. I'm just kidding around. But he recently revealed plans to cut back on production budgets for future films. Now, based on the performance of some of the recent blockbusters like The Flash and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which had severely bloated budgets and both underperformed at the box office, it's clear that a change was coming. Uh, that Bob Iger said it that quickly, um, maybe a little bit surprising, but nonetheless, I don't think anyone's surprised. The question is, how will the budgets be reduced? Uh, and could it be a good thing? Could smaller movie budgets spark more creative filmmaking? Um, so I thought it'd be an interesting discussion to have, James, because you know me. I, I love the you know behind-the-scenes documentaries and making of movies and the making of Star Wars books and stuff that went into... I, I like the imaginative spirit that goes into... How do we? How are we going to make that scene? You know, before the technology right. existed, Steven Spielberg using old tricks of stepping on wood planks to shoot sand in the air for misfired bullets. Uh, I love that stuff. Um, using a piece of cardboard for the um, for the arc in on um, the shadow on the wall. It was just them holding a piece of cardboard of the cutout of the arc. You know, stuff like that is very charming to me, and it. it I think it is inviting for future filmmakers to say like, well, if they did that, I can make movies too. And now we're in this world where it's just like $300 million, do whatever you need to do and all the visual effects you need and everything. And there have been great movies put out recently, but I think me personally, I feel like having that quote unquote blank check or that comfort of knowing you have that backing to certain extents. I mean, I'm sure there's caps on this stuff, um, I think it inherently and not on purpose, but I think it just naturally and inherently squashes a little bit of that ingenuity and creative thinking and like finding obscure or unorthodox solutions to getting things done. And sometimes less is more and sometimes being squashed with your budget leads to less. Um, my famous example is Bruce the Shark from Jaws. Uh, it, that shark not working actually made that movie great. 
um, because it led to people not seeing the shark a lot until the very end of the movie. Um, so you know where I stand. I don't know where you stand. So I'm going to throw it to you. Do you think we know it's happening? So that's going to happen. So we don't know uh, it's th- happening. What that's one way I'm I'm starting this conversation. You don't think that movie budgets are going to come down? No. Okay. So now that puts a crux into this discussion. So it doesn't. I'm saying if if like we can have the discussion of whether smaller movie budgets would or wouldn't, how would that sparks creativity? But I I honestly I I took his comments and I was like I just don't I just don't see this happening. Um, and you know I feel like what you're saying is like sort of public facing. Like you know what we really need to do, guys. We just need to get back to the heart of filmmaking. No, no, no. That's how it felt to me. It was like, what we need to do is we need to back off with all of our crazy budgets and we need to stop spitting out Marvel content left and right and everybody's going, yeah, finally, this is what I've been saying the whole time. You think everybody's saying that? I don't. I think a lot of people are starting to get burnt out on those properties. We've talked even on this podcast about like, is Star Wars even special anymore because they've been putting out so much content. It used to be this thing where like every, you know, 20 something years or whatever, they put out these three movies and that was Star Wars. and It was really cool. Um, and now there's like Disney plus everything and, and all this. Um, so I feel like there is a conversation about people saying that, you are these big studios are putting out so much of this big branded comment uh, content revolving around sequels and and um you know big budget properties like uh you know where they're adapting these books or whatever into these big things that people just get burn out on them and they don't like them and so a studio saying like we want to back everything off we want to make the budgets realistic we want to bring in a bunch of creative minds we want to do original properties that's all stuff that like people want to hear but studios don't actually do because they don't make money you know Mm, that process doesn't make money for them i see what you're saying but i i'm going to disagree because I think the proof is in the pudding. I, I think what just happened with some of these movies that have come out have made them realize that these things aren't guarantees the way we thought they were, at least some of them. And even with these big IPs that Bob Iger keeps talking about leaning into, uh, you know, the Flash, I'm not saying the Flash is the biggest character in the world, but you bring it back Michael Keaton's Batman. Like, I thought that movie was going to do pretty well. I thought at least 500 million or something like that. The Robert Rob uh, Robert Pattinson Batman made like 700 million dollars, mm-hmm. um, and not a lot of people talked about it really. So and then Indiana Jones, like I did a short on our YouTube. I was like, that's going to make 800 million dollars, but that was before they marketed it. I thought they were going to like market that movie, and they really didn't. I don't care what people say. Here's it was a, very here's antiquated. another question I have. So, this this well, might come. F- Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like. I think they're looking at this and say, we can still make really good movies and they don't have to cost $300 million on production, not marketing, just production. Those budgets are. Uh, So so. here's my question out of naivety. What, What are they spending the money on in the first place? Because a lot of people would say, well, in a lot of cases it's big actors or whatever. So maybe that's the case. If it's like a Robert Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr. is getting paid, but your background actors are not. 
But um, I think in a lot of cases, what people tend to go towards is they say it's these crazy special effects budgets. Yeah. But are they actually like, because the VFX artists say their work, they're being uh, worked really hard and they're getting ready to go on strike. And I don't know if the strike is because they're being worked hard or if it's because of payment. Is it because of payment? Uh, I think is the, the visual effects think, really expensive? I, yeah, I, so I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you're mixing payment to someone hired to do the work with the cost of the work. Um, those are two different things. So, and I think we're getting a little too deep in the weeds here on this aspect of it based on like the topic of the conversation. But yeah, visual effects cost a lot of money. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Look at, I mean, look at the flash and did you see it? No, there are shots in that movie that look like they're from, uh, Scorpion King when the rock turns into the Scorpion King. But this, this is, this is my question though, John It's like, because look, they, they spent a lot of money on that movie yeah, and the special effects were bad. So what's going on here? Well, that's the thing. It got so inflated and bloated. I feel like they got to a point where they're like, we got to cap this. We can't spend more money on this movie. Um, So I think that's a part of it. Um, My question is, what are they spending the money on? That that's, I don't think actors are like what's making the budgets inflated. I don't think, I mean, it Uh, can be, there was discussion of Robert Downey Jr. around like the end game stuff, but that, that, you know, whatever, I'm I'm merely getting it like I think there's discussion around this whole thing because when people say, oh, they spent, you know, 200, 300,000 on that movie or whatever, it's like, what what do you see? Yeah, I always do that for some reason. But (laughs) it's what are you seeing on screen that is that budget? Where's that? Where does that money go to? And a lot of times people point to it's the visual effects. But in this case with the flash, the visual effects were notably bad. Audiences were able to pick up on how they were bad, but there were still a ton of visual effects shots in almost every scene. Like, so some of the effects were good. There were just some that were like, Oh wow. They really pulled it back on that. It wasn't, the whole movie had bad special effects. There were some of the shots that were like, wow, that's really good. But there was such an inconsistency. So for people who haven't seen The Flash, there are dazzling special effects in this movie. But then there are some you're like, holy cow, that looks like it's from 1998. Okay. So, but the bottom line is they're high budgets. You know, these movies cost a lot of money. And even if you use inflation and compare the, like say, original Star Wars trilogy or even uh, the original Indiana Jones series and use inflation, they're not touching the current cost of what movies cost today. So they're pumping a lot of money in how they are. We would need itemized lists to find out. I'm not going to sit here and make guesses, but I know it does cost a lot to make these movies overall. Um, And I know a part of that. And I've, you know, I've talked to people who do work in the industry, like the cost of lumber being higher can be a thing for building sets. And like, there's a lot of little things that add right. up and like, look at the set that Ryan Johnson built for Octo for the last Jedi. That's this massive set, the Kajimi set in rise of Skywalker, so, like these big major things, these big major productions. So the, the, the question is, and I think the answer is with 
if they are, and I think they will because of the results that are happening at the box office, if they do reduce budgets for these quote unquote big movies, can they still deliver a good movie? And I think they can. And I just like the idea of getting back to what makes a great filmmaker a great filmmaker. It's finding solutions within the confines that you have. Because if you just give somebody who is creative a blank check and say like, you know, just make this movie. And I, when I say blank check, I mean like, here's a $350 million budget to go make the next Indiana Jones or the next Jurassic Park or whatever. Yeah. You're going to find um, some level of comfort in that and I not be like lead with like, just make the best movie you can think of and we'll approve the budget. You know what I mean? And so they go, Oh, great. You know, a giant wave or, you know, was did crushes the city or something. You know what I mean? Like they come up with what they, what they're selling the producers on is the best story they can come up with. Well, yeah. Where so it's starting from. I, so I, yeah, I think like take, um, a, a, a screenplay and you have storyboards and the, they have it all mapped out and then they realize, wow, this shot's going to cost this much money. You know, what if we don't show the creature here and you just see the shadow and you see the reaction to the people and we cut away before the creature bites their head off or something. And we save ourselves, you know, $3 million by not showing that shot at the same time, maybe there's a little artistic flair to that where you're not, you know, it's not the Meg, it's Jaws. You're not seeing this person getting, you know, you're not seeing Samuel L. Jackson being swallowed whole by a mutant shark in Deep Blue Sea. You're seeing the lead up to it in a Hitchcockian way, which is more artistic to me. So I guess that's sort of where I came from this. It sounds like a negative thing that Bob's Bob Iger put out there saying like, we're going to make less movies, put more focus on those movies, but also find ways to spend less money on that. And I do think with those types of limitations, it will inevitably lead to more creative choices and more art artistic choices by the directors and filmmakers. Um, man, you know, there was a post I saw uh, this year, earlier this year at somewhere where they, this guy was like recording, you know, TikTok or something. He was at the grocery store and he was filming the self checkout machine. And he was making a comment about, you know, when we were sold on this idea of the self-checkout, it was so that we could just buy this machine and then we wouldn't have to pay workers. We wouldn't have to pay, you know, the, the, the salaries and the, and the insurance and everything that comes with it, which would bring the costs down for, you know, but like, what are we seeing as consumers from that choice that was made? We've now automated the jobs, yeah. But we're not. We've seen no drop in price from the from the groceries. Mm -hmm. the, like we didn't. We didn't bring the the cost down really. What are you getting? Somebody at? else. What? What are you getting at here? I'm getting at. We're talking about some uh, uh, a machine that is working at three hundred thousand dollars a thing, and we're being told that if we scale things back that it would make things better and we'll, we're being told that the the movies will turn out better or whatever i think that 
as we move away from, well, now we don't have to go from location to location. We can just do it in this one room. But we're finding out that the budgets for those shows are just as high as going to the location shows. We've talked about that story. Yeah, we the don't. More, the yeah, the we, reason people do, we do the visual effects is because then we don't have to build the creature. We can just build the creature in the computer and then we can like, you know, move around and do all the different shots or whatever. It's like we're lowering the cost and and still being able to do what we wanted to do before. Yeah. But, the, but that's I, not happening because visual effects prices or how much we're putting into it is just is it's like it's still going up. You know what I want to see? I want to see more use of like miniatures and that sort of artistic. But that's not cheaper. It's cheaper than building a full scale set of something. Uh, yeah. I mean, just literally by i don't disagree with that but what i but i think what i'm getting i think what is bothering me sort of not it's not bothering me about the subject conversation but it seems like something that i'm trying to get out is like i feel like at one point we were like we would have to build this and now we can just do it cheaper because we could just do it in the in the computer but it's like the cost of movies have actually gone up so you would think they would be like well, then why don't we just build it? It would be cheaper and easier to just build the stupid thing than uh, the cost of the overinflated special effects that everybody's using. Why don't we just do it the way they used to do it and build the stuff and then it would be cheaper and we could save money. But it's like, it's such a weird thing because we were sold on visual effects being the cheaper route. But now it seems like the the visual effects craze has gotten so big that we're going to movies you like mean, The Flash and we're like, where's all the money going? It's mean, all going... Digital effects, yeah. Yeah. Where's all the money going? It's going into all the digital effects. So it's like, okay, <laughs> remove that stuff. I then what are they doing? They're like doing it practically somehow. Yeah. But it's like, that's what we were so... That was more expensive. I think I think everything is more expensive now. I mean, we see it. You well, talk about, you yeah, talk about, you yeah. talk about the grocery store. I mean, <laughs> I, I went, I went, to, I had to go buy a new TV because my daughter threw a, a, an action figure at our TV and broke it. Oh, so we're, we're literally tonight. Uh, I had to go buy a new TV, and the TV was moderately priced. But I'm walking down the aisle at Walmart, and I see a box of like cereal. And I haven't bought a box of cereal myself in a while, but it was like a standard size box of cereal, tricks or whatever, honey, uh, not Cheerios, whatever, four eighty for like the regular size little box of cereal. And I was like, if what? If it's a yeah. name brand cereal, it's probably a skinnier box than we remember. Yeah, too. yeah, and it's, it's just now crazy. standard. So, but for years, they've been slowly like making those boxes smaller so they can keep the price the same. Right, but it's less cereal in the box. So my point is, and not to get too far on this tangent, but it's like everything costs more now. But um, inflation is is certainly a part of it, and and we have I'm to. Not we have talking to, about inflation. No, though. but we, no, you have to because the cost of the su supply chain is, is very expensive. And that's why well, groceries are so expensive now. Right. But when we're talking about this, we're talking about, you, you mentioned, what was the one movie you mentioned at the beginning that you said like in today's age, that would be like 50 million. Oh, uh, a new hope. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying like counter in inflation, true. But what we're talking about is we're talking about people overspending. Right. 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 But what I mean is like the cost of, 
lumber to build sets, the cost of supplies, the cost of gasoline to transport things, uh, like everything costs more right now than it did five years ago. Uh, oh, on overall due to inflation, I'm not talking about inflation on a movie budget 50 years ago compared to now. That's not what I mean. I mean, the inflation of goods and services now, uh, yeah, but if somebody elevated. made star Wars today, it would be 55 million, right? If they made it exactly as they made it then, and things cost the same, uh, in, in relativity. That's what I I'm think, saying. So yeah. if, if we're, if we're the argument is people should, make movies like they used to in today's age because they could make a movie like Star Wars. It would look like Star Wars, but in today's age, that movie would only cost like 50 million, but instead they're spending 250 million on Star Wars in today's money. Yeah, but then also like look at, and this- But you have to keep up. You can't make a movie that looks like Star Wars today. I'm not saying that, but I mean, aside from some shots- I think a lot of the Indiana Jones movies hold up very well uh, in comparison to the current one. I don't disagree. Uh, and for like Temple of Doom, for example, a lot of the mind chase scenes were a blend of actors in the car and all, miniatures and a lot of like things like that. And yeah, that stuff costs money, but not as much as probably digital effects of that would cost. Not as much because the time you have to put in for the digital effects versus the time you take filming the built miniature. Um, And then also, you know, if you were to build a to scale version of that track for certain scenes. Um, So I, I think they're, they're going to need to go. Like, I, I always feel this way where sometimes things get so big, a bubble bursts and you restart civilization, so to speak, the asteroid hitting the earth and the dinosaurs dying and, earth starts over again i feel like that's like with anything you know it's like people buying vinyl records again things are cyclical things always come back i think that's going to be how sort of movies are if indeed they realize people aren't going to see these movies as much in theaters we're not sure why um but we need to adapt and if we want to if we believe in that model and we believe that we can still make money in theaters and let that trickle into our other products we need to find better ways to make these movies at um, in less expensive ways. And I just personally think the best way to do that is to use creative ingenuity and say like, well, maybe in this scene, we don't need to show all of these beasts or something like that. Let the audience use their imagination as to what that might look like or something. And that's how a lot of films were done back then. You didn't have to always see the face of the monster or, you know, the the giant explosion and I'm using action movies because those are usually the it. ones with the big budgets, but like like independent movies always have to cut those corners and sometimes so, those are the ones that win the awards because they feel more artistic. Right, but let me. But they don't make money. So the thing the thing that I'm asking here is if they it make seems, money, they're very profitable. The like, small independent films. Yeah, if you make so say you made a movie for like like. Blair Witch, which costs like sixty thousand dollars to make, oh, and it makes right. eighty million dollars. Well, That's a massively profitable movie because it was ninety percent profit. Like well, it doesn't I, mean it made a billion, but it was I a don't, profitable yeah. movie for that studio. I don't know all the arguments on the movies that like it. You know they they weren't going to make their budget back, but then they got nominated for best picture, and so a lot of people went and saw it, and therefore it made it actually ended up making its money back or whatever. But I would I would tend to think that a lot of like those lower budget movies they 
they sort of are a way for a studio to allow people to create and maybe it's like a smaller gamble. So it's like penny slots or something. Like I feel like they're playing in smaller, um, smaller things. So they don't really make money where the studios make their big gambles and where they actually make a lot of their money is they say, we're going to put 300,000 into this and hope that it makes 300 million and hope it makes a billion. Sometimes you're going to get losses, but for every time, for every three losses, they only need one movie to make 1.5 billion for it to pay off. Cause then now, they just funded their other three losses. Yeah. Uh, my, just... my thing is then that becomes the question is if it's, if it's as simple as saying, why don't you guys just make a good movie for less m- cost? And if it's, if it's, still good and you get rid of all this crap that people don't like like bad special effects and stuff just pull it back it would probably make more money you know and like there's this argument but i'm trying to figure out why studios haven't figured on to that very simple formula why don't they bite that and i think it is because they're really there is some sort of bigger statistic that they're going no what you don't what you don't understand is we we want to pour as much into this visually because we need people to feel justified in going to the theater. Because that's um, why the top guns and the mission see it on the biggest screen possible because they need people to go to the theater. If they dialed back all these big budget movies and made them better movies, I actually think people would, not be as inclined to go see it in the theater. I still think even though it's a good movie, they'd be more inclined to just wait on it. Yeah. I was just, I I I think they're trying to keep the theaters alive right now by being like $300 million flash. I I don't, I don't think so. I, I I think that's where my argument falls apart is streaming services doing the same thing. I think people, I think audiences get turned off by hearing how much a movie costs to make, especially when people today, maybe, you know, struggling to pay their bills and stuff. Like, I I think they're like, why did it it cost you 300 million to make that piece of crap? You know, but I just did a quick comparison of you wasted $300 million. We'd be better off if you just didn't spend that money and give it to you solve world hunger instead of making the flash or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So I just did a comparison of, uh, on stranger tides, pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, apparently it's the most expensive movie ever made and it costs, uh, about $400 million to make. And which that is the fourth one. I, I don't know if it's the fourth one, but I could be wrong that it's the fourth one because it's it goes de- uh, not Dead Man's Chest. Is Dead Man's Chest the first one? And then no, Curse of the Black Pearl. Curse of the Black then Pearl. Then Dead Man's Chest. Then At World's End. Then On Stranger Tides. I think is the fourth one. No, there's a fifth one. That one I think is actually Dead Man's Chest. The fifth Dead Men Tell No Tales. That's Dead Men Tell No Tales. That's five. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, so we are talking about the fourth one. The fourth one. Okay, so. Almost four hundred million dollars to make, uh, not that Star good Wars of a podcast. not that good of a movie. Curse of the Black Pearl, the first one, great movie, one hundred forty million dollars. Now, I agree with you. Part of that is probably Orlando Bloom made more money. Keira Knightley made more money. Uh, I'm sure Johnny Depp probably. So, Budgets also got bigger. Budgets got right. bigger, but these movies we're not talking 1977 to 20 
you know, 19 now. We're talking about, you know, eight year difference. Not that bad. One, so one one thing I will say that adds into that is just the sheer fact that one of the one of those movies was an original, new, creative, cool thing that no one had ever seen before. Yeah. And the other one was the fourth sequel, and people were like, I've seen it, and they don't care. So well, that it's sort of an unfair I'm not talking about thing. box office though. I'm talking about budget. Well, the I thought budget. the argument was that it, one of them that was actually good made money. No, one of them that was good cost $140 million to make. The fourth movie, which I don't think was all that good, right. cost was more, uh, the most expensive movie ever made, $400 yeah, million. But how much, how much profit did they make, though? Because that go, that I understand your point, but I'm saying that also I feel is part of the factor because the reason a studio would make a 400 million dollar movie is because they can spend 400 million dollars and make a billion. So why? Who cares if it's so 600 million they make profit, 500 million they make profit, just as long as they make that movie. Stranger Tides cost 410 million, made a billion. Uh, but I don't know what marketing costs were. So there just right. that, that alone is a difference of 600 black Pearl cost 140 million made 650 million. So, so the, the more money they spent, the more money it made in this example. But I think to your point, it's because of the momentum of usually like the, usually they're good, trying to get uh, people into the theater by being like, it's now there's two volcanoes that explode. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like they're whatever, going to whatever it, it is, they're, they're trying to, to raise the bar. They're going to see it off the legacy of the first one. Right. Yeah. I don't. You're never going to convince me that they couldn't have also made that movie for 180 million or 200 million and not gotten the results they needed out of it. So I, I, I wait. I, you I think just, so? If they if they would have scaled that movie down and made it and focused more on the story, you think it also would have made a billion? Yeah. Yeah, disagree. I, I uh, all right. I disagree, especially a movie, especially a movie that's on its fourth one, that and people are sort of burnt out on it. You need to, you need to get people into the theater. You need to give them a reason to go see that, and they want to see two volcanoes. I got explode, news for you. That movie's not, not a half of a volcano explode because I already saw one exploded in the first one. But I got news for you, pal. That movie's not making a billion today, because um, this was two thousand and. 11 i think and people weren't uh on netflix as much the other ones didn't exist it's a yeah. different world now so to make a billion and, and, and rare a rare make a billion like a like a top gun maverick or barbie or something like that isn't going to be the way we thought it was when tfa did it rogue one we're like oh man tlj even did it star wars is bulletproof and then you know all these movies start dropping off and then the you know pandemic whatever so it is different and it does need to change so i guess my point is if it needs to change i am just hoping with my you know uh, uh, putting my optimistic lenses on that it leads to more creative filmmaking that's all i'm saying and and i think it will have to at that point because you'll do less locations because i was looking at um on Stranger Tides, it says the four main things that led to its inflated budget were, yes, talent costs were higher. So you're, you are, you're right. Um, maybe it's signing. I'm not, I'm not like saying like that's the big thing. I think no. 
Yeah, but I'm just four. I noted that you know maybe so there's there and you bring in new actors and I get that and like yeah. oh you got to come see you know Gerard Depardieu or whoever that guy's name is the not Gerard Depardieu who's the guy I'm thinking of from uh, No Country Here, for Old Men. Here's a simple question for you: When it comes to a sequel being made, Javier Bardem. Do you not believe that the second one has to be bigger or better in order for it to like up the stakes? Depends. Depends on your franchise. Depends on your movie. Um, I don't think that. I don't necessarily think that Empire was bigger than Star Wars, um, in terms of like, I mean how it made how it was made. It was it cost more, but that's because George Lucas funded it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's tricky. I think that, I mean, I think that probably does come like down Return to the, it, though, is he Return just had Jedi. more confidence in it, so they spent more money. Half of Return of the Jedi was filmed in the Redwood Forest outside of San Francisco. You know, I mean, um, but so if George was alive today, he would be using the visual effects, wouldn't he? I know, but he would probably also be like, I don't care if my movies make money. He said that. He's like, I don't care if my movies make money. I make my movies to make my movies. Like that. Bob that- Iger is not George Lucas. So I know. Weird. I'm just saying that's that maybe the interesting thing here is 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 really getting into the nitty gritty of the difference between George making the the original trilogy with um, his own money in a world where he had to make it in real locations and things like that. Then when he made the prequel well, trilogy, use- he was able to use computers and digital and stuff. To if if I'm not mistaken, the point would be to make things that were not possible, but also to keep budgets well reasonable because he didn't have to like build a castle. They could just like build it in the computer, right? That Yeah, he liked the idea of being able to create whatever was in his mind. That is true. Right. But he also yeah. was, obs- he hate, hated film editing, editing actual film. He hated it. And that was his obsession with creating filming digitally. Yeah. Um. So that that like all these like technology advancements he came up with is because he hated doing backend stuff like that. Um and also because he spent to have his vision, just whatever he thought, make it work, you know. Do do the inflation adjustment. I'm still sure he probably spent more making the prequels than he did the originals. Hundred percent. Yeah. But that's sort of the point. Like these things are always gonna get more expensive. No, if I'm the saying return if the but return not if you not if you adjust for inflation. Yes, even yeah, even with even playing field, and everything's at the same inflation or you know cost of a dollar value of a dollar, prequels definitely still cost more. Yes, I know. Um, so what I'm saying is, is using your argument, why don't we tone it back down and bring it back to it's reasonable budgets? It's they're going to have to do that because box office returns aren't going to be what they once were. People get their information, their entertainment mm. from all sorts of places today. Um, that, that's why TV ratings are down because people are watching things on their phone instead or they're just streaming something on Netflix. Uh, it's just across the board. It's, it's just a different world and that you have to adjust. So if movies are going to adjust and they're still going to make, you know, quote unquote, big movies that we want to see on the big screen, I want to. I want to see Star my Star Wars movies on the big screen. They're going to have to dial the budgets back. And my hope is in doing that, they still figure out a way to make a good movie. And what will separate the good from the bad are the good filmmakers who find a way to cleverly get deliver 
an incredible scene for less money. And if that means cutting out some shots and leaving stuff to the imagination of the audience, I'm all for that, man. But I think it's inevitable that that change is coming. And I don't think Bob Iger is bluffing. I think he's like sort of saying like, look at what just happened. We have an Indiana Jones movie come out that made less money than a Han Solo movie that didn't star Harrison Ford. And that movie was called a disappointment. So it's a shockingly different world right now. And the Barbies are going to be the exception to the rules uh, to the point where that movie caught fire where brands wanted in on it. So they made their own marketing for it. That wasn't a part of the marketing budget. They're like, we want a piece of this pie. We want people to come to our store or buy our product because we're talking about this new pink themed thing. You know what I'm saying? Look, you catch me on any day that we're not having this discussion. You say, do you think that they should make movies for less money and then they would actually maybe make some money on it instead of like breaking even or losing money because they spent, you know, $250 million on it. But I'm not saying I think, I'm saying they're going to have to. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I think I usually agree with that. But when, I re- when, I'm, tr- when I'm trying to get to the, the thing here in this discussion is why are they making these movies for such big budgets? You're saying they're going to have to pull it back. But I'm going, I'm looking at, okay, Indiana Jones was a failure. Why was it a failure? Was it because they spent $300 million on the budget? Or was it because, like, the, like, let's say the marketing was exactly the same, but they just spent $150 million on the budget and not $300 million. A, we don't get the same movie, but you think that the, the movie being $150 million has the potential to be so much better that it would have made a billion at the box office? And I say, I don't think this is a movie budget problem. This was a marketing problem. Do you, do you know how much money Top Gun So it almost would have helped as uh, Indiana Jones if they would have spent another $100 million on marketing. Right. Guess how much money Top Gun Maverick cost to make? If you had to guess, real F-18s. Because of the a lot movie, of because of the, uh, the discussion we're having, I'm going to shoot low. I'm going to say eighty-five million. Eighty-five million. The original Top Gun probably cost eighty-five million. No, it was hundred and seventy-five million. Okay. I would have thought two fifty minimum. Um. I mean, just watch that movie. Uh, you, you're telling me they, they couldn't have used the same level of resource I mean, and made Indiana in, Jones for $175 million? They absolutely could have. Yeah. I want to know how much it costs to do the, like like you were saying about, oh, well, if, you know, Corridor Crew or whatever can do blank. Right. Like, was it the young Indiana Jones scene that cost the most money? Like, why did I want to know? Actually, I want to just ask that question. Why did Indiana Jones five cost $300 million to make? This goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning. Why did it cost 300 million? What I agree with on, you on screen that. are we look, what on screen on are we looking yeah. at that cost yeah. $300 million? I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. So, I, but then I, I think, I think what it is, is, Partially visual effects, but I don't feel like that movie was super visual effects heavy other than like the beginning, right? Um, 
Oh no! But then, there, I mean, there's a lot of. I know, I know, but it's not. But it, but it didn't. And the locations didn't feel too. like the yeah. locations probably cost a lot of money too. That's that's, probably, that's the other thing I was going to say is traveling. So how could they have cut the movie down? They would have had to cut down the locations. Uh, no, I would have said I would say filming more in studios as opposed to you know actually going and doing it which is what we praise like force awakens for doing is like oh they're not using the volume there's still a benefit to actually going to they still filmed a lot in pinewood studios they still filmed a ton in pinewood studios i know but force awakens was expensive we just we just say it's okay because it made money when if force awakens spent the same amount of money and failed then we'd be like they got a problem (laughs) and it's like they don't have a problem most of force awakens except for jakku was filmed inside a studio Well, Starkiller yeah. Studio, uh, Maz's Studio. Yeah, uh, you know what's funny Death is actually I've been studio. saying Force Awakens, but I've been thinking Rise of Skywalker because. But I said all right, when they went so, out to the locations and stuff. So if Top Gun Maverick, which I would say maybe better looking movie than Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, uh, huge monstrous movie. It doesn't look like they cut any corners. They're flying in real F-18s, probably a lot of insurance costs, uh, right. all that stuff. If they can make that movie, if they can make Top Gun Maverick, think about that movie. Everyone who's listening right now, think about how awesome that movie was, how big it was. If they can make that movie for $170 million, don't tell me they can't make Indiana Jones for $170 million because they can. So there's something, I'm, I'm with you, James. I'm asking that question. I want to know why it costs that much. And, if I guess in my closing thoughts on this, because I know we're getting a little long in the tooth on this, but it if if they inevitably have to, because not all movies are going to be a Top Gun Maverick that get everyone in the theaters at one point five billion dollars, and they're going to have to reduce costs, they're gonna they're gonna have to figure out ways to make good movies, and I, and I think one hundred seventy five million dollars, and you can give me Top Gun Maverick. There's no reason why other movies can't be made at that budget. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Now, yeah, James go- Cameron won't care. He'll be like, I'm going to spend $500 million on this because it's going to make $2 billion. But that's James Cameron. He's the outlier. Yeah, I also don't know, too, where James Cameron lies on, like, is he funding his own stuff? Is he pulling a George Lucas? I'm pretty sure he's still studio-based, right? He's studio-based. He, um... so but Which is weird because, like, it's not a Disney movie. With Titanic, he made no money. Or is it a Disney movie? Is Avatar 2 a Disney movie? Yeah, Avatar 2 is Disney. What was Avatar 1? Fox, 20th Century, which is now owned by Disney. That's why, okay. Yeah. So when, I, yeah, that's weird, okay. Um, so, and yeah, I mean, any final thoughts on this? Uh, it's an interesting topic, and it's we'll, we'll see how it all, you know, starts playing out, but. My my thing about this is 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 that I I sort of said it earlier. It's like I think if you just talk to me on the street and you said, "Do you think they should lower the budgets?" I don't disagree. I think where I start to to have some interesting pushback on this conversation is I go. So then if that's so obvious of an answer, is everybody going? Why don't they just lower the budget and they they make better movies or whatever? Why hasn't directors, producers, and everybody else figured that out yet? What is the thing that is causing Hollywood to be like, um, no, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. I need $250 million, you know? 
and and playing in that game and I I don't have the answer right now, but I feel like it's one of those things where like that the cost of those big budget movies is keeping people going to theaters. And if they they lower it back and they make some of these monies because they think it's going to make more money, I think people won't go to theaters to see them. And that in turn could collapse the whole industry, which is why they're still making these movies at the big budget because they want the $1 billion Uh... return. I think and they can afford it because they had one one billion dollar return. I and think so they can allow three failures. I think there's still going to be the market for the date movie, um, the romantic comedies like Let's Go to the Theater, Dinner and a Movie, Barbie, you know that type of stuff. Um, that right, but are, Barbie was a big budget movie that made I know, a lot of money. But, I'm, but I'm saying in that spirit, let's go right. see Barbie together. A couple wants to go see Barbie together. Uh, a rom-com with, you know, Hugh Grant or Ryan Reynolds, whatever, that costs... It isn't going to make a billion. That costs $40 million to make, makes $160 million profitable movie. That's what they want. They want to make money on movies. They don't all have to bring in a billion dollars. Yeah, but they can't, they can't make more movies with that profit. They may... I mean, maybe. Maybe they can make another one of those. You know, in order to make they, that movie, they can make one more movie with that profit. But, but then if that they movie put more into on. a movie, made more profit. They can yeah, but make you're forgetting, 10 movies. You're forgetting that movie then goes to streaming services and makes more money in that way. And, well, yeah. You know, well, we didn't really talk about it, but the streaming service argument is really interesting because you do still have Netflix making things like The Gray Man and Red Notice when it's like, why? You're going to spend this huge budget and make this movie and you're and you're oh, only hoping that people stay on your service. It's crazy. That's crazy. I think that's crazy. I do. I do. I think that I and I think that is getting phased out. I think that's a, that was a mistake. And I think there's a there I actually was like both those movies though. <laughs> but but I but I think that that was that was a test and that was to see what would happen if I don't know we, if they were justified. Though. If we change to this like direct to streaming stuff, well, look at what Warner Brothers did with their slate. They're like, we're going to make Wonder Woman 84 available the same day on HBO as it is in theaters. And that movie, whew, brutal. That's why when people were saying like, hearing Gal Gadot saying she's getting Wonder Woman 3, I'm like, there's zero, there's no chance that's happening. Especially with yeah. the new DC reset. But anyway... It's an interesting it's, top. It's an interesting discussion. It's an interesting if, topic. If anybody knows anything about this, like some some aspect of this that we're missing, whether it's me or John or both of us, if like, you actually know, yeah, yeah, put it in the comments and and sort of say like, hey, I did some research on this a couple of years ago, and here's the real answer. It's or like, I work in the film industry. Yeah, yeah, and blank. Um, but not if don't, don't like fake it. Don't be like, yeah, I work in the film industry, and you you work at Geek Squad at Best Buy or something. Cause I mean here, like here, there's like, I'm not going to get crazy deep into this or two, but like what we're sort of asking for is also like for the actors and the, and the writers and stuff to be paid more, which is, it's, is that not also essentially going to move the budget up? But that but doesn't like, yeah, but they're I not, know. they're not fighting for Jim Carrey right. in 1997. You know, they're yeah. fighting for people who have to make a certain amount to get health insurance. That's what, that's why they're striking. Um, yeah, but you know the studios would raise the price if they said, "All right, well, you know, if we have to pay you more, the, then we're going to have that all that they're in now." Yeah, yeah, so it's an interesting topic, it is for sure. And I hope everyone enjoyed the discussion. I know you know we talked about Star Wars, but we really talked about it 
in the grand scheme of filmmaking, which is going to impact Star Wars, especially as we're, you know, staring at these, you know, at least three movies that are on their tentative schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but and their uh, TV shows. Yep. Absolutely. X amount of dollars on Andor, X amount oh, of dollars on Obi-Wan, X man. amount of dollars on Mandalorian. $250 million on Andor. Yeah. And they're, and they're like, that's why I'm thinking another topic, like try to get like, put that thing out on Blu-ray and make some money back that way. Cause Star Wars fans will buy Star Wars Blu-rays. Um, but anyway. An- enough to make a profit, but not enough to move the needle. That's enough, that's the only argument. Enough enough to yeah, enough to make a profit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, every dollar we spend, we'll make two dollars. And there's yeah, like yeah. it's like, uh, let's make a billion dollar movie and then just not worry about the yeah. physical copies of the um, show. Whatever. Lacey will be back with us on TRB yeah. Live Thursday. Um, as everyone in case you don't know, everyone knows she's been sort of going half schedule. Um mm-hmm. she's you know pregnant with her second baby and she just uh, needs to take more time to herself and we fully back her on that. So uh, she'll be back on Thursday at Lacey Gilleran, obviously hit her up on social media. Um, and for me at Johnny Hoey and James, of course, famously at Myra Trunks. Um, uh, but we want to thank everybody for listening and watching and uh, being a part of TRB. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion. Also the will of the force topics. Let us know what you think about everything, you know, whether that's on social media, at TRB podcasts, or uh, uh, on the comments on YouTube or wherever. Just let us know what you think about all this. And we love hearing from you on that. And a special thank you to our patrons. We talked about at the top. It is uh, so important for us. So please do head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast if you are able to. If not, totally cool. But a big shout out to our generals and spice runners, Carmelo, John Reese, Jenna Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi, DiMaggio, Diana, and Dave Hornack, and the Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Galnar, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. Um, and make sure you're subscribing to TRB and, and sharing us with a friend who likes Star Wars and get ready for the next Star Wars show, which is Ahsoka. Uh, We look forward to talking about that. Um, But yeah, so we'll be back on Thursday for TRB Live. Uh, Anything else for our people out there, James, before we get us out of here? Um, No. Actually, I think we're good. All right. So we will see you all next time. Enjoy your weeks. And we'll see you Thursday night for another episode right here on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids.